You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm joined by co-host Brendan Kleen, both right for SB Nation's Bright Side of the Sun. Brendan, we're joining you uh, We're joining you guys after the 115-101 win for the Suns. I did not expect that, to be honest. I don't think you did either, Brendan. Devin Booker dropped 46 points. He's keeping his hot streak going. So what's your overall reaction to tonight's win? Yeah, I would just have no words for what Booker did in that second half. I mean, especially considering he started the game 2 of 11. Uh, they showed a stat like uh, midway through the third quarter that he had gone 7 of 7 since starting 2 of 11 and then obviously finished just ridiculously hot, shooting bombs from three to close out the win and, and finish with 46, like you said, at over 50% shooting and just killed Robert Covington. I mean, I don't know how much you take away from a defender when guys are launching from 30 feet, but still, that's an elite defender, and, and he really made him pay. Oh, for sure. I'm looking at a stat right now, and it, like you said, he started 2 of 11. Booker made 15 of his last 21 shots to finish with 46 points tonight. So he get, he really got going after that first quarter, and he saw, we saw a couple of plays there, like that one play on with J.J. Redick. He was right in his face the entire time. He's still pulls up a contested 25-footer and drills it right in his face. And we saw him really double down Nick Stauskas late in the game as well. So, I mean, with Booker doing this consistently now, I mean, he dropped 38 points on Marcus Smart, dropped 46 points on Robert Covington, two of the most well-known on-ball defenders as of late in this league. I mean, what can, what else can we say about Booker at this point? Yeah, I mean, in another one of the other plays that, that was incredible for me was um, – Joel Embiid's a bigger guy, but still quick center. Lots of length, obviously. Good shot blocker. And Booker got switched on to him around the beginning of the second quarter. Um, it was actually right when they showed that 7-of-7 seven seven stat. Um, so it was the seventh shot of that little streak. And he just blew by Embiid for a dunk. And, uh, yeah, there's – I mean, he's, he's scoring at all three levels. He's beating – you know, any defender that's thrown at him. Even in that fourth quarter, they were kind of tossing double teams his way. And, I mean, one of the things I did notice, and I was kind of, I think a lot of fans were probably having flashbacks to that 70-point game. Uh, obviously didn't get anywhere near 70, but just the confidence he had late in that game, just chucking making them, kind of was reminiscent of that performance. And one thing I did notice, though, comparing it to that game, is he's, he was still making the right decision a lot of the time. Obviously, that's like a famous game at this point because Booker was shooting uh, maybe when he shouldn't have been and Watson was doing all kinds of ridiculous stuff to get him points. But Booker was passing away from double teams and finding open guys even in the middle of that uh, uh, fourth quarter when he was on fire. So that was not obviously in line with what we've kind of seen from him all year. But no, I don't really think they're I – mean, I'm running out of adjectives at this point. I mean, we brought up last episode, but to be honest, I, I was going to start banging the all-star drum maybe around Christmas. But like I said earlier on the last episode, if he keeps this up, I mean, I, I think honestly, I mean, he's really starting to carve out a role for himself out West behind maybe James Harden and Clay Thompson as that third best point guard out West. Do you agree? I mean, so far this year, at least. I, I definitely think so. I mean, he must be listening to the podcast because you said you'd give him till Christmas and he answered with 46, so... 
Yeah, there you go. I mean, if he is, what's up, Devin? But anyways. On a road trip, he's, he got something to need something to do on the plane. I mean, quick little 20-minute bites, that's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, get your best Suns coverage right here, as always. <laughs> but real quick, let's dive in on some other guys. I mean, obviously, Devin Booker is doing some magical stuff this early on in his third season. But TJ Warren, again, also had a fairly efficient game. 25 points again, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals on 12-19 shooting plus 15 led the team as TJ I mean we brought up a lot I mean at this point I mean he showed it against Knight he's really thriving and that's complimentary role to Booker yeah and I I, um, was impressed today with the way he was able to keep the offensive float Um, Triano's even seems like I I would have to kind of dig into the numbers but it seems like he's been playing um, really managing them What's the word I'm thinking of? He's having them each play when the other's not on the court a bit more than it seemed like he had early in the season. And um, late in the first quarter, he put Warren back in, and uh, he kind of caught fire himself. And then there was a couple other times in the the game when both of them were going at the same time. And he was really good today, Warren, um, just attacking downhill off picks, which is not necessarily how he's used most often, but... He was even taking the uh, the ball up the floor here and there, and uh, it really just didn't seem like he was too worried about what the uh, the Sixers had against him. And he was a lot of the time getting the worst of the two uh, wing defenders because they had uh, the other one on Booker, obviously Covington, a lot of the time. And so Redick, I think, spent time on Warren and Stauskas and Simmons uh, quite a bit. So. He was able to attack that and, and really get in the lane quite a bit, and he had a really efficient night. Yeah, I'm examining the box scores here real quick. I, I was kind of surprised to come across this number with Josh Jackson of plus minus of minus seven. He's the only son that had a negative. I mean, he had some good moments tonight. He had a good thing in transition where he had like a very good move, a spin around Timothy Lulu Carabao. But uh, outside of that, he had three turnovers and two fouls. And is Josh? I mean, I feel like he's starting to slow down a little bit for him, but. Do you feel like he's starting to get the hang of it a little better? Yeah, he looks he looked good today. I mean, that minus seven, he shot two of eight, which is sort of just becoming typical for uh, bad shooting. But he looked good, um, and he was making he had a solid second quarter, I thought, which was uh, the Suns' best quarter. They outscored the Sixers by thirteen in that one, and uh, Jackson had a stretch where he he had a alley Chris who got fouled and it was a weird situation where they called it a non-shooting foul even though he was in the air to finish off an alley-oop so they got the ball uh baseline or sideline and then uh, jj actually ran a pick and roll right out of that mount and dumped it off to chandler who bobbled the pass so he, he basically had two assists in one possession that didn't get finished off and, uh, that's what i had said before that i it's kind of for and so it's nice to see that they're giving him those chances uh in transition and in the half court and that he's you know making the plays even if it's not showing up in the box score there was a really fun moment i saw early on in the game when jackson was first matched up on ben simmons i think it was around second quarter he he forced a ball out of bounds on simmons and a couple seconds later the fs arizona camera showed him mouthing to simmons i'm gonna get you next time and then a couple seconds later a couple seconds later he gets the turnover on him so i think that's just kind of the mentality Jackson has and the kind of player the Suns have right now. But moving on from him to Tyler Ulis, easily the best game Tyler Ulis has had all season. 12 points, 12 assists, his first double-double all year. 
and he's played 37 minutes compared to only Mike James in the four for five minutes. That's definitely a, per, a thing of a sign of progress, right? Yeah, the minutes were nice. I noticed like early on in the second half that James had only played five minutes, and I was like kind of you know maybe expecting James um, when the team gets into like a little bit of a rough stretch offensively. Triano likes to go to James to just get that penetration, but Ulysses was doing that himself. He, I mean, it's ridiculous, and it's probably just because we're all so used to watching Steve Nash all those years, but it's kind of unmistakable, that style of, of getting into the paint, looping back under the hoop, and then kind of surveying the floor from the free throw line. When he, that's becoming a trademark of Ulysses, just like it was of Nash. Um, and 12 assists today look a little bit Nash-like. Uh, the scoring was nowhere near and obviously is far from it, but I I couldn't help myself but kind of uh, appreciate that patience and uh, whatnot under the basket that, you know, he really didn't have the quickness to blow by his man and even get down there to kind of pull the defense in like he was doing tonight early in the season. And he's talked about conditioning. He gave an interview post-game, I think, um, the last game, the Celtics game, um, when they were asking what the key had been for him recently. And he said that due to that injury during the off season, he really was not in basketball shape for a lot of the early part of the year. And then, um, wasn't starting and, and whatnot. So I, I think we're definitely seeing him around into shape for sure. Yeah. Another thing I saw you tweet about this during the game was it seems like Tyler's starting to realize his drive, his driving potential as far as going to the rim and then, baiting guys in like he did early on against Joel Embiid to get that easy lay plus one for Alex Len. I mean, we haven't seen that often for Tyler this year, like you mentioned. Is he starting to finally come around on that? Is just just injury slowing him down early in the season? Because it seems like definitely he's starting to find his groove. Yeah. I, I th- yeah, and he part of it, I think, today was Euless, uh had Jared Bayless on him quite a bit when the Sixers went to they, – they make the move where Simmons goes to the four – and they bring Bayless in to run point. Um, and so he was defending Euless quite a bit, and Euless was not afraid of that matchup at all. Um, got fouled on a floater in the third quarter on that um, look, and then got uh, he lost Bayless in a like half-court situation, I think, after an offensive rebound, and then was left open for a three and hit a three in the fourth quarter to put the Suns back up eight after a little mini Sixers run. Um to kind of really start to put it away for the Suns. So, yeah, he, he looked really good tonight, and he's continuing it. I mean, that Celtics game was another example. I think he, in my mind, even had a better game. Um, the other thing with Ulysses was his defense, because he was matched up on Reddick quite a bit, but it didn't uh, show up necessarily, because Reddick got going in the second half. Um, but he was looked like he was kind of on Reddick's nerves a little bit, chasing him around screens and you know, Reddick's going to put up points kind of in this system regardless because he shoot 10, between like five and 10 threes every night. But I thought his defense was good too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Dios is definitely getting after on, on both sides of the ball tonight. I think by far his best game of the year as far as that goes. But I wanted to touch really quick on the two young forwards again, Marquise, Chris, and Dragon Bender. Chris played 23 minutes, had three points and six rebounds and two blocks. Dragon Bender had played 25 minutes with three points and four blocks. So... They're definitely getting after as far as rim protection goes, but I know I was listening to the solar panel with, and Tim Tonkin, Tim Tompkins suggested that Tyson Chandler should only be playing about eight to ten minutes moving forward the rest of the year, but he led the, he led the team again in rebounds tonight, and Chandler and Bender and Chris are really not showing to be good rebounders so far. So, is it kind of to the point where unless one of them gets a, a like a hang of that ability, 
that we're going to be seeing Chandler play heavy minutes a lot this year? Yeah, his rebounding, it's, it is kind of, you'd really hope that it didn't. I mean, in, in a weird way, you're glad that his impact is being felt in that way, and five offensive rebounds tonight was difference in this game, in my perspective. But at the same time, yeah, you'd like to have those other guys performing on the glass a little bit better so that he doesn't have to play so much, and he doesn't, you know, just him rebounding doesn't show up so demonstratively like it does some nights because, you know, we'd like to think as fans, I think, a lot of the time <clears throat> that rebounding is not that important or that difficult of a skill, but it's been something Chandler's elite at for his entire career. So if he's going to keep making a difference like that, I don't see how you don't uh, give him the minutes. Now, Greg Monroe is the odd man out tonight, and I believe we are now 30 hours away from the decision Ryan McDonough has to make about Mike James, his two-way contract. It's going to be Derek Jones Jr. or one of these three bigs. Monroe was the guy that had to sit out tonight. I'm guessing it's probably going to be Alex Lane against Toronto or Tyson Chandler, one of those guys could be sitting out. It seems like it's just a three-man rotation at this point. So any sort of update or as far as your thoughts and where you're leaning on the situation with that? I'm interested because, you know, we just said that James only played five minutes today. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something going on with getting another point. I, I really have no read on it, but it just kind of threw a wrench and everything for me to see James only play five minutes because uh, even though Ulysses clearly had a, a great night tonight, that's just not normal. We don't we haven't really seen Triana do that where any of these guys outside of Warren and Booker are playing upwards of thirty five minutes a game and Chandler and Ulysses both did that today and those are two guys who kind of are loosely involved in this whole situation and maybe wouldn't be expected to be doing that. So I don't know. I really don't. But um, I think it still seems most likely that somebody just gets cut because we haven't heard anything still 30 hours away. We haven't heard a single trade rumor, and you'd think we maybe would have at this point. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Mike James playing five minutes a game. I don't think Mike James played less than 15 minutes a game all season. So to see him play only five minutes was pretty surprising to me. And it really makes me think if McDonough's going to with you seeing how Booker's performing with just a backup point guard in Tyler Ewis so far, just imagine the possibilities you've had with someone like a Dennis Schroeder or like a Spencer Dinwiddie or something just for the short term to see what he could do to evolve his offense even further. But maybe that's the plan going forward. But I think that's pretty interesting to follow. And we Probably not, but it could be possible we see Mike James' final game in a Suns uniform tomorrow if he's not re-signed after the Raptors game on, on his two-way contract. But any final takeaways for you from tonight's game? I think obviously we, talk, we were texting on the phone before this, but... I think for me, I mean, I thought the Wizards game was the best game, the best road win of the year. I think this one takes the cake. I think so, too. I, I think I saw at least one or two plays from every guy. That impressed me. Uh, and I don't think, you know, I think that's kind of the way we measure this stuff at this point with this team is, you know, moments, flashes from the young players. And uh, so I think that's how I'll count it is to be able to see, you know, pretty much every of the core, maybe six or seven guys really make an impact in one way or another is the best I could ask. For. So I, I'd have to agree with that for sure. Yeah, and I had a quick question before we end it here. Um, I have a piece coming out tomorrow on Brightside of the Sun related to this, but I want to get your thoughts on this as well for the listeners. It's related to Devin Booker's performances before he had the four six point game tonight, but with how he's playing so far and the elevation in his game he's taken off in, I mean, is it putting even more pressure on Ryan McDonough to make a move around the trade deadline or sometime this summer in the time of 2018 
to push his chips all in because at this point I thought it'd be around 2019 that makes a move, but with Booker taking this at lead jump, I think honestly you have to make the move to get some sort of help in the next six months, right? I think Chris Mannix is putting pressure on Ryan McDonough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I think so. I think that maybe he's, you know, he kind of pushes the timeline ahead a little bit further than you would have expected. And, um, but we're, we're, we're seeing kind of the dominoes fall into place already because, I mean, you had that Warren contract extension have, had to happen before Halloween. And then, you know, they're just going to have more and more of those lend next summer, Booker, um, you know, on down the line, they're going to have to de- make start making these decisions anyway. So I would assume point guard was the priority for them once the Bledsoe situation fizzled out. And then um, a draft so deep with big men is, is going to make things interesting around next June. So I don't know if there's really a pressure to make any move more quickly, but it kind of clicks everything into maybe more clarity as far as the decision-making process goes. Because I think heading into this season, there was still – maybe a little bit of uncertainty around what kind of player Booker was going to be and what his best role was going to be. And we're just seeing that, um, you know, he's really the kind of guy who can dominate the ball, shoot 20, 25 times a night and lead an efficient offense for the most part with pieces around him, complimentary pieces around him. And uh, having that piece in place is uh, the most sure thing you, you need. And so I think in that way, maybe there's a little bit more, pressure to kind of really nail it but i don't think it's going to maybe accelerate things if that makes sense oh for sure i mean this obviously is the youngest team in the league i think their average age is around 23 years old they have eight guys that are 21 and under so it's definitely a long process ahead for the suns unless mcdonald wants to cash in a lot of those chips for a veteran but i think at this point we're seeing devin booker take on a role that i thought wouldn't be happening until around like he was around 25 26 taking on that james harden type role of doing almost everything for this offense being efficient being a better rebounder, better playmaker. He's doing it. He's taking this really big jump already at the age of 21, which has really caught me off guard this early on. But, I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't know what to expect with Booker. So I, I think he really could be on the track to being an all-star at the age of 21. So it's going to be really interesting to watch that moving forward. But with the Raptors, they're playing them tomorrow night. Me and Brendan will be at the – actually doing this, a little bit of college scouting for Brightside. So we'll be at the – Texas A&M versus Arizona game with DeAndre Aiden versus Robert Williams, two likely top 10 picks, two big men the center are definitely going to be looking at. But what's your first impression with the Raptors game? They're probably going to have, I imagine, Norman Powell and OG Ananubi going against Devin Booker. Yeah, I think I'm most interested in general just every night. Same with Simmons tonight is the Suns just don't have that defensive stopper. Uh, they have had you know, PJ Tucker in the past, Jared Dudley was that guy a little bit more last year than he has been this year. And Dragon Bender is maybe developing toward that, but he's not there. So whenever there's a score like, um, you know, we saw Ben Simmons, they kind of had to handle him by committee with Warren and uh, Bender a little bit and Jackson. I'm interested tomorrow with, with DeMar DeRozan, sort of what they do with his length and uh, craftiness down low. Just he can be. You know, quickly so uh, and then obviously Kyle Lowry is there too and the Suns have some height disadvantages whenever there's an elite point guard so I just think defensively is most nights what I'm looking for and with with DeRozan and Lowry tomorrow it's going to be a handful 
Oh, for sure. I mean, definitely the Suns off back-to-backs being a very young team. They usually struggle pretty mightily. We saw that happen against yeah. Detroit. They were almost lost by 40 points. So we really don't know, don't know what to expect tomorrow outside of a couple things, really just the usual performance from a couple guys. But it'll be very intriguing to watch. But any quick thoughts? We won't be on here before we see him in person. But I wanted to, we were on here with Kellen Olsen. We had our draft preview. Any quick thoughts for the listeners on DeAndre Aiden from your perspective? Yeah, the thing is with him, I think, has been um, taking advantage of his physical tools on defense. I think that's been from sort of what I've seen here and there and from a lot of the people that I trust with that stuff are concerned that maybe he's not as elite defensively as he could be with the massive frame and advantage that he has. So I think that's the thing to watch as far as you know development possibilities but offensively he's a monster and he's about the strongest college player you could imagine so he's going to be probably even more impressive to see live and uh, i'm excited to kind of talk about him and and see where we where we land after that for sure i mean i think so far compared to the likes of like mo bamba and marvin bagley i think he's definitely the most physically imposing prospect as far as bigs go in this class and seeing in person can be really exciting to see definitely going against another top 10 prospect in robert williams for texas a&m so It'll definitely be interesting to watch. We'll, be, we'll probably be coming to you guys from Talking Stick Resort Arena tomorrow night following that Arizona versus Texas m game and following the Suns-Raptors game. We'll combine it all into one, recapping our thoughts from on those prospects as well as the Suns game. So we'll catch you guys tomorrow night. We'll see you then.